what are something that some of these companies in your community, what do they need right now? They need more customers. So if you passionately believe in their product or service, go volunteer and go out and bring them customers that they weren't getting. Help them survive. This is episode number 155 with Jeff Lambert. You're listening to American Snippets, the all-American podcast for those looking to dream bigger, live better, and make an impact. Welcome back, everyone, to the American Sippins Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, we have another incredible episode and awesome guest for you here. Uh, his name is Jeff Lambert. Once again, my name is Dave Brown. I'm here with my co-host, Barbara Allen. But before we get into this week's episode, we just kind of want to get you up to speed on everything that's happening here at American Snippets. Uh, first off, we were supposed to have our, our first ever event this year called the Great American Summit in Washington, D.C., um, it was supposed to be a couple months ago, but unfortunately, we had to cancel it because of coronavirus. So we've rescheduled the Great American Summit for April 30th, 2021. It's still going to be in Washington, D.C. We're still raising money to support our police, first responders, veterans, military families, and our at-risk youth. And we want you to be a part of it. So make sure you stay tuned to everything that's happening uh, and coming uh, in terms of announcements and things like that at the Great American Summit. Just go to americansnippets.com. Make sure you subscribe to our newsletter, and we'll be uh, having announcements about our speakers and event details coming very soon. We also launched an apparel line called American Snippets Apparel. Uh, it's everything that we believe in here at American Snippets. Uh, it's, you know, we proudly stand for patriotism, uh, equality, law and order, the constitution, capitalism, freedom, our flag, and above all the USA. We have a lot of cool apparel and shirts there that I think you're absolutely going to love. Look, our apparel is just a small piece of something much bigger. It's shifting the focus away from hate and back towards hope. It's about taking a stand for freedom and being a part of the country's path to reclaiming peace and returning to its patriotic core. We believe that the people have the power. So check out americansippetsapparel.com, take a stand, and please wear our shirts with pride. And finally, we just launched the Great American Syndicate. You've heard me talk about this probably on previous episodes where we're giving away some free t-shirts. We still have our t-shirt offer out there. Uh, so if you want a free t-shirt, just go to greatamericansyndicate.com. Uh, but this is our community. It's an association of grateful, uh, like-minded patriots like yourself who love America and what it stands for. Here at America Sippets, we believe patriotism is the fuel that will ignite the American spirit and bring our country together that will unite us. We proudly stand by that belief, and that's why we built the Great American Syndicate. Uh, it's for people who are tired of extremists injecting fear and anarchy into the heart of this country. Uh, so whether you're a vocal citizen with a large platform, a member of the silent majority, or somewhere in between, uh, the Great American Syndicate is your place to connect, support, and unite with other like-minded Americans who are ready to lead by example. We believe in self, family, 
community, and country. Inside, we have a ton of member perks and discounts. We have trainings from experts from all walk of life, real estate investing, health and wellness, uh, folks who run nonprofits, uh, social media influencers, leaders. And it's all about pursuing more of life, living that American dream, and taking a stand for you know everything that we believe in. Just like I mentioned before, we proudly stand for patriotism, equality, law and order, the Constitution, capitalism, freedom, the flag, the USA. And if you believe in those things too, then you need to be a part of the Great American Syndicate. So go to greatamericansyndicate.com, check it out, claim some free t-shirts, and please join this association. We would love to have you there. We're looking for leaders just like you. So let's get on to this week's podcast episode with Jeff Lambert. Uh, Jeff is a drag, drag car racer with two track championships to his name. He is the president of Armed Forces Racing and founder of racesponsorships.net. Jeff's passion is to grow the sport of sportsman drag racing by helping grassroots racers improve their own race programs through sponsorships. He also gives back to fellow veterans by introducing them to the sport of drag racing as recreational therapy. And in this episode, Jeff shares the story of how he built a business out of something he is passionate about and offers insight into how Americans today can do the same, even even in the midst of the coronavirus restrictions and all the challenges that we're facing uh, today. So without further ado, here is Jeff Lambert with Bar Balance. You're listening to the American Snippets Podcast. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I'm your co-host, Barb Allen. Today, we are talking with a very cool person about a very cool topic, although a lot of people are scared away from this topic. It is what happens when basically everything goes to crap and you're left without without an income, without a purpose, without all that, how to get past the loss of a purpose. It's a two-pronged process, right? How to get past the loss of a purpose, the feeling of a loss of a purpose, and then how to monetize a passion, which is the hardest part of doing. A lot of people don't like to think about the the path of monetizing a process, how to pay for a passion, how to pursue that. They think it's unachievable and they make a lot of blunders along the way or they just give up and do it. But in order to build that dream life that you want, the op- in order to grasp the opportunities that are out there, you have to understand the process of how to go for it and how to do it well and effectively. And Jeff Lambert is here to talk about all of those things. Jeff is a Navy veteran who uh, has connected with other veterans, first in his Armed Forces Racing um, nonprofit organization where he uses drag racing as recreational therapy for veterans experiencing a whole host of ripple effects from their, from their time in service. And then he's learned how to take that passion that he has for himself of racing and monetize that, not only so he can provide for himself and build his own dream, but how to help other people build their dreams in something that they are passionate about as well. So it's the part people love to talk about their dreams, but they don't often know how to put those into action, right? So we're going to get into all of that today. And Jeff, I am so happy to sit down and talk to you today about arm forcing racing and about race sponsorship. It's going to be super fun and impactful. Are you ready to I'm I am ready. Ready. Yes. Thank you for taking the time to, to sit down and talk with us today. And we just now finished a recording with you, a training where you actually offer some training, some introductory training on how to achieve, how to achieve that, how to go after those sponsorships. Um, and right. we're going to air that in our Great American Syndicate. We're going to offer that to our members here very shortly. So we're super excited about that. But let's get, let's get into it here. Um, 
I want to unfold your story. I want to get into it. And I've listened to other uh, interviews that you've done and I've gotten some nuggets who are there. And so I've been able to connect with what attached you to, to the path of offering this outlet to other veterans as well. But I'd like to share that with our audience too. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's talk about your time in service first. When, what prompted that? I always love to ask veterans <laughs> what drew them into service. Oh boy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, that was going to kick me out of the house. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> um, so, you know, I had, um, uh, let's, how can I put this? Uh, I guess I any can way you want, the, Jeff, just, I'll put just it tell the truth on myself. Okay? okay. I hated school. Yeah. I hated going to school. And you know, what's crazy, Barbara, I graduated high school with 12 years, perfect attendance. I never what? missed a day. You're the one that got everybody sick. That's what uh, probably. I <laughs> <laughs> probably, but um, I was never really not a sickly child either for that matter that you bring that up, but I hated school. I was a C student and my teachers are like, you never miss a day of school. Why are you a C student? And I said, because I hate it. And C's gets me by. I mean, I was truthful, but it was the yeah. truth. Okay. Yeah. So I say that to say I was playing, I was playing golf in, in high school and I get a golf scholarship. All right. And so I'm going off to college. Bad move. I hated the school. Why am I going to school? I hated it that bad. I got three. I lasted three semesters and they're like, you got to go home. When you was know? that? That like, was what, in, what years approximately. Well, I graduated in 1990. And so this would have been right. 91 going to school. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I, uh, and I asked that because that's the same time I was running that circuit, too. And if were the same if you had the same experience as I was back in that time, that was the path that you took. That's what you were yeah. expected to do. Yeah. Like everybody yeah, you were supposed to. graduated and went to college. The, these options that are here for everybody today were like science fiction back, oh, back then, yeah. right? So could, yeah, just to make sure everyone, people listening, like grasp the fact that it was a different time than yeah. it is today. And Oh yeah, so yeah. You were, you were ex expected to go to college. It was the it was the American thing to do, right? Yes. I mean, you know, you take the country boy out of the country and take him yeah. out of the hills of Kentucky and, and then you send him off to school and buy him a new pair of shoes for his first time ever. You know, that's just And you're 18 crazy. years old and you pick the path for the rest of your life. And if you if you hate it, suck it up and get your pension in 20 years. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I could yeah. go I could go down that path with you for a long time and get yeah. on my soapbox and start preaching, but College is not the answer today, like everybody thinks it was back in when we were in, you know, going to school. In, so, in many instances, yes. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah exactly. So uh, after three semesters, they say, you can't be here anymore. You got to go home. <laughs> because and of so, your grades or your... Yes. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. of the grades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, okay. there were no grades. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> there was only Jeff uh, running around mm -hmm. and having a good time <laughs> for three semesters. Till they finally said it. So anyway, I go home and dad's like, look, you got three months. You got three months to go find what you're going to do. You can't be here, you know? And, uh, I was like, okay. And so I, I wanted to get into, into firefighting. I wanted yeah. to be a firefighter. It's what I thought I would like to do. And so I wanted to get into aircraft firefighting. So, uh, the Navy's the only one that offered that air force is all contract, you know, on their bases. A lot of the Naval bases are actually, contract civilians but on aircraft carriers no contract civilians and that's what i wanted to do so okay. i i said all right went and joined the navy and i think as i was driving out to leave for boot camp i think i heard my dinner plate break on the sidewalk i think that was like, <laughs> yep 
know, when you I look back on that now, but what was your reaction when he said that to you then? Were you like, what I, the hell, I Dad? believed him. I believed him. I was right. like, okay. But like you his know, motivation, his motive for doing that, right? Well, you know, uh, I'm too much like him. We were, we're both hard headed. So, I yeah. think, you know, I think the, the I think it was uh, probably just as, as, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I probably appreciated it just as much as he did to be. Okay, leaving. good. Yeah. You, you know, that's you a hard know. thing as a parent to be like, yeah, you, you know, but you're really doing it to push your child like, because you have to, I mean, sometimes yeah. we all need that we all need that kick, you know? Right. All right. Carry right. on, sir. So anyway, yeah. So that's how I ended up in the Navy. Uh, I got on the air. I, I ended up on an aircraft carrier. So my, I had a, you know, people tell nightmares of their recruiters and how they lied to them. My recruiter did not lie to me at all. He was straight <laughs> up. He said, if you need to get in that quick, you're going to have to go in undesignated, which means I didn't have a job, you know, wherever they want going, to send you, wherever they want to send you. So I get on the aircraft carrier. And now guess, guess who is standing there telling me where I have to go? The guy that I just graduated boot camp with. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, man, send me, send me the flight deck. I want to go to Crash and Salvage. That's he's like, convenient. Nope. Yeah, he's like, nope, you're going to ordinance. Oh. <laughs> he was afraid to break the rules because he was the rookie, you know, the newbie on the ship, you know, the boot camp just coming out, you know, and here we've just been through boot camp and beating our heads to follow orders, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, he's like, sorry, man, no, you're going to ordinance. So, I went to ordnance. So I started assembling bombs and sidewinder missiles and loading 20 Mike Mike into aircraft. I mean, it was a fun job. I, I somewhat enjoyed it. But one of the things that I did was I took the initiative. I think this is one of the, the greatest stories in my life right here. I took the initiative. I was working 12 on 12 off when we were out to sea. I would take the 12 off that I, that I had and I would take four hours of that. And I went to crash and salvage and I went to the lieutenant up there and said, I came in the Navy to be up here. Can I do some OJT with you all? And after six months, the captain didn't have a choice but to put me up there. That's awesome. I, I was qualified for every single job that they had in wow. crash and selling. Yeah, that is cool. And I bet you that has served you many times over. And I, I learned a lesson from there. Yeah. Matter of fact, I used that in my business and with my sponsorships mm -hmm. and everything still to this day. Yeah. Yeah, so so I spent my four years, I'm the ninety two to ninety six, uh, deployed to the Persian Gulf over there. Um, you know, during the first, well, the first ground war, Gulf War, ground war had ended, but we were still fighting the air war over there as far as no fly zones and things like that. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry, I, you froze for uh, a half a second there. So. Oh, that's all right. That's all right. So <laughs> no, yeah, but so, I got you. The audio, the audio was good, but so we'll edit this little thirty seconds out. Carry on. Okay. Yeah. So, so, you know, we did that. And in 1996, I got it out and uh, crazy, crazy. Um, because I was good at golf when I was on the carrier there my last year, I kind of got to rub elbows with a lot of the officers because they like to play golf a lot and they knew I was good. <laughs> so uh, I went into the golf business and actually went back to college when I got out. I went to college. I was like, yes, it's time. So, For what? Um, I went to college. They, at that time, they were offering a two-year program. It was a small business degree with uh, a golf complex organization and management degree. So okay. it was kind of golf related. And then you got you also got your, your teaching uh, certificate to be able to teach golf out of there. So um, I was married at that time. My wife and I got married while I was in the service. And so we went and so I went to, the, went to school and, and since I told the story on myself, I was a C student. I was a 3.6 student there at that school. So I've done well. 
Um, and then I went to work for Vince Gill and Amy Grant in Nashville, Tennessee. Shut up. Uh, Yeah. As a, um, golf instructor for a golf camp that they, they supported up there. So it was the Tennessee PGA uh, section really, but Vince Gill and Amy Grant had a lot of involvement in it and they were putting a lot of money into this and then they had their own little junior tour and things like that. So I went to work for them doing all of that stuff. So if anybody listening does not know Vince Gill, he is one of the legendary art country music artists um, out there with this piercing voice. We got to see him in concert, like a random concert in Nashville. He's with the time bandits or something. I can't remember the name of the band, but completely different, like just up there and shorts and a t-shirt, like jamming, (laughs) like not at all. Like the Vince Gill music, you know, just like some bar, like doing something, but yeah, he's one of my faves. Yeah, Very well, he's the lead sing lead singer for the Eagles now. I mean, he's singing, you know, the, for the Eagles now. So it's it's the perfect spot for him. Yeah. So so anyhow, um, I ended up getting a job at a college and became a college golf coach, um, and excelled at that. I was I was had fi- finally thought that I'd found my calling in that in that there um, because we were winning conference championships, divisional championships. I got coach of the year seven times and. You know, I was like, oh, this is, this is, this is it. This is where I'm going to spend the rest of my life. And, um, I got a phone call from the people that I worked at the golf Academy down in Nashville from and said, we've got a job for you in Nash in, 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 uh, Concord, North Carolina. It pays 10 times what you're making now. I said, all right, where do I sign up? Yeah, I'll be there in 30 minutes. Yeah. 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 So (laughs) I ended up in Charlotte, North Carolina, Concord, which is just outside of Charlotte. I ended up down here. Uh, and then the recession hit in 2008. So you have this job, you're married, you've just started a new job and the recession hits and recession hits and they go, Oh, we're shutting down, (laughs) you know? So here I was the director of instruction at a golf Academy, making a lot of money Yeah. and now making no money, which is a pretty timely topic for right now in particular as well in the middle. A lot of people are going to be able to connect with this. Yeah. So you're in that moment, you're jobless. Yep. Hope yep. you have some stuff saved up. How did yeah, you we make did. that? How did you absorb that time when you were let go and you had to suddenly figure out, oh, on your feet, think on your feet, right? Yeah. In this new place. So, How did so you I thought I was, that? at the time I was going to chase my dream. I was going to go play golf for a living. So mm-hmm. I, I went and started playing some of the tours and back then didn't know it at the time, but I was getting sponsorships to play the tours, you know? the little mini tour stuff at the time. Um, but eventually that all ran out and I got a job as a corporate investigator with a company. Investigating um, what? Um, fraud, things like that. We were in the medical field. And so, you know, um, uh, there was a lot of, of uh, things in there like, um, you know, employees maybe not being so friendly with the, the information of the personal information of the patients and things like that, you know, yeah. put it that away. So I, that's what I was doing. I was oh. doing that and and running their physical security and everything like that. So that's the and then that's the job that I got laid off from, right? That started the racesponsorships.net. Okay, which so, is so. Let's talk about what racesponsorships.net is first. Okay. Like, just give the give the you know the elevator description of what it is, sure. so we know what we're going into. The idea of racesponsorships.net is to empower the grassroots racer. That's where I like to focus, but I can help other racers. But I like to focus on the grassroots racer with the knowledge to gain sponsorships through marketing partnerships. 
And what is the difference it makes when some someone has this passion? So you deal specifically in the racing industry, but the work you do is applicable outside of that industry as well. The template that you that you offer can be applied right. outside of the race industry as well. And you and I were talking before we recorded when Dave and I, you know, launched a couple of things and set out on our own quest for sponsorship last year. That was the first look we got at exactly how enormous a challenge it is to set yourself apart and connect in a meaningful way with people who constantly get hammered by requests and, mm-hmm. and all this. And it is not as easy as it looks when people show up, for instance, at a race and they have all these sponsors, these companies, these logos, and they have all these sponsors. It looks, you just see the finished product there. You see this person strutting along, how, how great it looks and how easy it must be. But man, it is quite the quite the undertaking for yes. somebody to do it in a way that is meaningful, impactful and respectful too. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yes. So it's, you know, the analogy of the duck on the water, you know, it looks like they're out of here having a nice little fun time, you know, swimming around, enjoying the yeah. cool water Well, behind the scenes on the sponsorships, them legs under that water yeah. going a hundred <laughs> mile an hour. There is a lot of work that goes into sponsorship. So yeah. that's the very first thing I talk. That's the very first thing I talk about in my book. It's the very first thing I talk about yes. in our classes is, look, don't do this if you're not willing to do the work because there is more work here involved in what you know. And so you were running Armed Forces Racing as well um, at the the time. um, I was starting Armed Forces. You were starting Armed Forces Racing. Mm -hmm. And that is, let's explain what that is. Sure. It's a nonprofit organization. We're 501c3 and we do drag racing, riding and driving and racing experiences. We're basically a drag school for veterans. And we use drag racing as the tool for recreational therapy to help these guys. A lot, a lot of times, you know, when I got out of the service, one of the things I didn't talk about was when I got out of the service and came back to civilian life, I did not know what to do. I didn't know how to act. I didn't know how to treat people. I mean, you know, I was just a jerk. I mean, and there's no doubt about it because I just didn't know what to do. You know, um, I, I thought civilians, <laughs> I mean, come on, I, I'm used to everybody knowing exactly what to do and do what you're told. And civilians are, like y'all can't have a mind of your own. Are you crazy? You know, uh, uh, <laughs> that's, that's nuts. You go do that now, you know? Uh, yeah. so I get that. And anyway, how armed forces racing came to be was I, I was drag racing all through my golf days and all that stuff. And I had this drag car and we bought a house and we were restoring it. My neighbor shows up, moved in at about the same time we did. And he's Vietnam disabled veteran. And he starts helping out with the cars starts working on restoration with his car. Now I learned more from him than he ever did for me. Cause he's been doing this for years, you know, already, but his wife came to me one day and she said, you saved his life. And I'm like, what do you mean? I saved his life. And she said, all he ever talked about was dying. When I die, do this. When I die, make sure this happens. And I sat around the house and didn't do anything. You know, um, of course, his generation, they don't talk about their feelings, you know, <laughs> you know, for sure. Um, but uh, she said, now all he ever thinks about is these cars. And I told my wife, I said, we need to do something special with this. We, I think we have an opportunity here. So that's how Armed Forces Racing got started. So that's why we have, still have project cars to this day. We've got six project cars going on almost all the time. That is pretty cool. I know a lot of organizations that use some sort of recreational therapy to, to help veterans, but 
yours is the first one I, I have personally come across that uses cars and in, in racing. So to yeah, me, to, like that sets you apart in terms of the outlet, because some people, not all veterans are going to like racing. Not all of them are going to like fishing or horseback riding or horses, but there's something really out there for everyone. So I would imagine yeah. that you get a lot of calls or that organization gets a lot of requests for participation. Yeah. Right. We do. So, you know, and, and, and I, I consulted, uh, being the guy that I am, just like when I was telling you about, I went to the crash and salvage to do OJT. I reached out to other nonprofits. One of the things that I learned about some nonprofits, not all nonprofits is some of them won't want to talk to you because you're the competition. Yes. You know, you're, you're, and I'm like, why it is a killer that? be killed industry? It is. <laughs> I was like, Whoa, yes. you know, aren't we on this? No, we're no, not. You're in not. That. No, Jeff, you this are is, not. <laughs> no. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. So I found a guy down in Florida and I think it was called racing for vets. If I remember right, okay. he, he did something similar with a uh, dirt track cars and Baja racing. So he's doing something similar down there. And he, t- he gave me some really good advice when I started and I'll give you that advice. He says, you're going to have veterans that you can't run off. They're going to show up every day. They're going to be on your nerves all the time. You can't get rid of them. Then you're going to get the ones that are going to show up that you think are going to be ones you can't run off. And then you'll, they'll eventually six months disappear and you never see them again. And then you're going to have your fly by night guys. They're going to pop in the shop one time and then they're gone. Yeah. And so uh, I have a lot of the fly by night guys pop in, you know, maybe a week too. And, and they're like, Oh, we need to get on a schedule and we need to do this. And then you never see them again, you know? And, but then I've got some I can't run off, <laughs> you know, but we do get a lot of requests when it comes time to ride and drive the race cars. Yes. That's where racers or, or um, um, uh, veterans really, you know, want to come and get involved and they'll come out, you know. So I remember we'll forget the first time we took the car out. We took some veterans out and we had a, had a guy there, a Marine, and he came and drove, rode in the car and he kept coming back. So eventually, if that happens, we developed a program where we're going to let you drive the car. So he started driving the car. Then one weekend, he sh- one week he shows up, and he, and I hear me and crew chief Rick, the Vietnam veteran, we're sitting in the chairs, and this hardcore Marine just walks up and he's crying. Oh. And I'm like, what's you know? We're looking at each other like, how are we going to handle this? You know, we don't <laughs> know what's about to happen here. Um, and he said, I just want you all to know, I have to drink three bottles of wine to go to bed every night. And since I've been driving this car, I've never, I haven't drank in a drop. This is uh-huh. giving what I need. And so as far as I'm concerned, that program will go on forever uh, as far as I'm concerned, because if that, that is touching amazing. people yeah. like that, right. and he was willing to share it some aren't, but yes. you know, I was like, all right, well, well, we, we can keep doing this. So how do you pay for, for all that? Cause that's not for you to do. <sighs> Oof. Yeah. Donations, <laughs> you know, big yeah. time donations. A lot of our cars are donated. People donate to us. You know, um, we do some fundraising and things like that. Uh, that's part, actually, if I was to say that's probably our weakest part of our game is, is actually fundraising because, you know, we don't do a lot of fundraisers like official, like banquets or dinners or things like that. You know, just something I've just never been involved in because, I do own a company that's called racesponsorships.net. So I get a lot of our funding through sponsorships as well. You know, we couldn't sponsorships. What they really do for us is um, parts for our vehicles, things like that, you know, and then the funding is what allows us to be able to go out and get buy the fuel for the race cars and get the veterans down the track and buy parts for the, you know, parts cars and things like that. 
All right. So then let's talk about that, that other, com- that other company, race sponsorships. <laughs> yeah. Because that's your personal bread and butter and it's become the bread and butter for your, your clients, the people that you work with. And it yeah. also allows corporations who have an interest in this area to find that outlet to apply those funds that they want to apply in that path. So you're really serving several purposes there through that organization or through that company. So let's talk about how you started that and how you realized that that was actually a thing that you could turn into. In, into yeah. Yeah. That path so when, support when, when we decided to start armed forces racing is about the time that I got laid off from my job, you know? Yeah. And so, um, I had already been working with some of the sponsorship stuff, trying to figure that out anyhow. Um, and, but in order to keep armed forces racing going, I was going to have to learn to fund that program. Right. And I thought that I was going to have to do that through sponsorships, you know, because, um, I personally race as well and I wanted to keep racing, you know, so I didn't want to quit racing. It just, and so, um, I, I started down this journey of just learning how to get sponsors. And I learned what the three key fundamentals of sponsorships were. When I learned what they were, I just started building a program from there. And I just, and it's a lot of common sense stuff, really, that people just don't think about, to be honest with you. You, you want to share what those three keys are? And sure. I know you talk about them in the training we just did. I'm going to keep mentioning that because I really want people to access that training and then follow up with you, you know, as well. Yeah. But what are those? Okay. So you have to make yourself marketable. You have to get, you have to make yourself marketable. You have to go out and make your, um, presence in your field be known, you know, you just can't be the quiet mouse in the corner. You've got to go out and and get yourself and put yourself out there. I would say to anybody that's watching this, that wants a sponsorship. If you're afraid of being in front of a video camera, your chances are going down by the day because companies want to see videos. Plus little Facebook algorithm training here for you. Facebook will show your post a video, a live video, or a film video that's organic material, they'll show that post way more than they'll ever show a written one out, you know? Right. And then if you, and and I can't help but coach, sorry, Barbara. No, that's good. (laughs) But, but if, if you're sharing posts, you're even, even worse, you know, (laughs) it's, you know, so I, I, if, if, if I, if racesponsorships.net puts a post out and you want to support me with that post, just copy and paste all my material and put it in organic posts. Don't share it. Sharing is killing it. It's Crap, I just me. shared your post three times in three groups. I'm in. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, it's okay because it does work some, but Facebook algorithm is actually. But those me. are those are groups specific groups that I'm. Well, in. If yes. they're, yeah, they're in groups. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It really is. But if you're sharing on your personal profile, yeah, or no. Like that, yeah, you're really not helping because the Facebook algorithm shutting that down. Um, you know what? I totally forgot where I was going with all this, but. Um, so you talked about, you said, once you got principles. You those three <laughs> principles. Yeah. So yeah, make yourself marketable using your social media. All right. Using your social media, because let me tell you something, there's applications out there that you can fill out for sponsorships when you start to know where to look for those. When you go to look for those, guess what the first 10 questions are? It's how many all followers about do you have media. on Instagram. Uh, what yes. are your how many followers you have? How much engagement do you have? Where's your, what's your site that that's all they yeah. care about. Yeah. Really? How many yeah. videos have you done? Yes. You know, yeah, yeah. how many views go, do you get? How many unique visitors? Exactly. Do you yes. That's all they want to know about. Yes. So if you're not, not putting yourself out there and, and you're the quiet mouse in the corner, it's afraid to get in front of a video camera. See I, I personally won't sponsor you yeah. myself if you won't do that. Right. You know, 
Um, so, uh, but anyhow, so that, and then the second key is fundamental or uh, relationships. First one, once you get become marketable and you're starting to get noticed, then you got to go build a relationship or have one, build one, or know someone that has one. One of those three. And then when you get that relationship established, then that's when that's when the magic happens. That's when things start to work for you. The yeah. biggest mistake I see people make in sponsorships after they get a sponsor is they do not maintain that relationship. Yeah. Listen to me out here right now. If you don't catch anything else from this, when you have a sponsor, I want everybody to hear me now. Your job after you get a sponsor is to stay informed on what they are doing and keep them informed on what you are doing. Be informed and stay informed. Open communication at all times. All right. If you all don't get anything else, because here's what happens. Six months, the race season ends. The friendship doesn't end. That's what a relationship is, is a friendship. And when the friendship doesn't end just because race season didn't. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, that's your time to grow that relationship. So you need to be out supporting your companies, your sponsors with their products and services even more in the off season so that you can build that relationship, grow it. And they're like, man, this guy never even stopped when they wasn't even racing. Yeah. And they want to give you more. Yeah. You know, so, 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 uh, um, marketing yourself relationships and then maintaining your relationship. That's what I've. Excellent. So now your company, you're able to connect, connect people who wouldn't otherwise have that means to follow that passion. Like how hard is it, for instance, to get into the drag racing industry? How hard is it to break in and support yourself? Um, you know, obviously the car is the biggest expense Yeah. and, and, and there's, and luckily in the, uh, grassroots bracket racing world, you know, you can get in as little as three grand for a car because they have a street class you can run. Okay. And then as the classes grow, the more expensive the cars grow. Some of these guys got three and $400,000 in their cars, you know, um, can a $3,000 car hold up to a $300,000 car in a, in that street well, class? Or that's uh, that car wouldn't be in the street class. That car wouldn't really be in the yeah, street yeah. class. Okay. But um, but yes, the way the bracket racing world works is it's handicap racing. So if you're in a 10 second car and I'm in a seven second car, you get a three second head start. Then I have yeah. to chase you down. Uh, you <laughs> Look at your face, how much you like that part. <laughs> you literally just lit up when you're like, then I have to chase you down. That was like the yeah. most energetic. I've oh, seen. yeah. Like you clearly, <laughs> you clearly love that part. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I get a pretty good rush out of it. <laughs> yes, that's hilarious. That's how I am yeah. on horseback. I'm like, I'm going to come get you, you know. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's great. I love when you can see that energy and hear that change in someone's voice. Like, that's how you know that that's the real deal for that person. You, How lucky are you now to have been able to find that outlet where that thing that you just love doing is the thing that you get to do, you know, and yeah. that. And then you've incorporated that, like that passion you just saw there must come through when you're, when you're working with sponsors and connecting them with racers. And so what is the difference? Like if you approach a company or a corporation and it's something you're not really about, like if you had to approach a corporation to sponsor, like, uh, I don't even, I don't even know, something you're tires not on your about. car, tires on your car or something like you, that's like kind of bores you. Hey, yeah. come sponsor this tire or come work. Like, what would be that energy? Is that perceivable to to somebody when when the oh, person absolutely. approaching them is not really invested in what they're doing? Yes, I tell people all the time they see through your garbage. Yeah, they see through it. They know when it's not as sincere. 
So I'll give you an example. We've used tires. So there's two, there's two brands out there, Mickey Thompson and Hoosier. Okay. If you are a Mickey Thompson tire uh, person and you love Mickey Thompson, but you think you can get a sponsorship through Hoosier, I'm going to tell you to not do it <laughs> because you cannot talk about those Hoosiers as passionately as you can about those Mickey Thompsons. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I, I'm, I, my advice to someone like that is don't do that. Now, I say that. And as a nonprofit, you would think, okay, you're going to take anything that you can get, you know, right. And so, uh, and, and that could be the case for you because sometimes free tires are better than a thousand dollars worth of set of tires as a nonprofit. Um, but as a racer, I would say to you, don't do it because they see through it. They can see through it. You're not genuine yeah. when you talk about their product and it comes through a lot. Yeah. So what are some world now we're in, we're still in the thick of this COVID craziness that, you know, everyone had hoped would be <laughs> long over by now, right? We're several yeah. months deep into this with no foreseeable end, you know, anywhere yeah. out there, except for maybe the elections, but that's another. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so look, what would you say to somebody now who is in that position you were in, you were, you were laid off, you had no income. And there are a lot of people out there now whose business is close, whose life savings went down the drain. The support mm -hmm. they're getting is not even coming close to covering costs. And they're really, really struggling like, from various ripple effects out, various levels of people uh, of struggle that people are in now. What would be your advice to someone who is maybe thinking, okay, maybe this is my opportunity where I can turn that thing I love into what I, that thing I do you know, the same way and would be approaching sponsors now in this particular time. I've, I have, the COVID has been the best thing for sponsors. Can you believe that? No, this has been tell a me great why. Because one of the things that I preach and teach is, it's not about what they can do for you. It's about what you can do for them. Yes. So what are companies needing right now? Businesses are, obviously there's some shutting down. It's terrible. It's tragedy. But what are something that some of these companies in your community, what do they need right now? They need more customers. Mm -hmm. So if you passionately believe in their product or service, go volunteer and go out and bring them customers that they weren't getting. Help them survive. Okay. okay. I had a gentleman that wanted his car painted and he had his car over there and, he, and they had a little, a little mini deal worked out. He said, why don't I take over your Facebook page and take over your social media? Because he'd been through our master class, okay. how the algorithm worked. And he said, I'll take that over. He's, he's a little bit of an SEO guy, so he could build things up there. Yeah. He took over and drove them business when they were all sitting around twiddling their thumbs. And he That's brought cool. business to them during yeah. this time that they weren't getting. Okay. Right Now they painted his car for free. That's you awesome. see, that's yeah. just one example of go out. Hi. These restaurants that are, you know, that during that, especially at the very beginning, really, when they really weren't able to open at all. I mean, there's some places that still can't. And they were having little delivery drivers deliver the food, yes. right? Why don't you get in your car and go down there and say, give me an address. I'll deliver some food. Help them out. Yeah. You know, build that relationship. Grow that relationship. The, the, the problem with... I'm I'm going to sound a little soapboxy preachy here, but a problem with our society a lot of times is it's people don't, they, it's more about them than it is other people. 
And then in sponsorships, if you can get away from that mentality and go, it's more about what I can do for you than you can do for me right now, Mm -hmm. then those turn into sponsorships when those doors open back up and those people are finally back into business the way they need to be. And so, and that's happening now. Everyone that's been through the masterclass, they all understand that and they've gone and done it and they've actually have grown their racing program by doing that. Hope that made sense. No, it does. And it is one of the things, it can seem counterintuitive when you feel like you are down and out and you have nothing to offer because you need, you all you all you can see and feel is the fact that you need help. You can just, everything is about like what you need because that's, that's mm-hmm. your stress. That's what you see. And it can be, it can seem counterintuitive to forget about what you need and focus on adding to others when it seems like, well, how am I going to do that when I can barely hold myself up? Right. But there is always something that you can do. And then I think mentally as well, when you get that boost from knowing that you've actually, even though you're, you have your, you know, you're down on the ground, you feel like you're in your last gasp. And when you realize, even when I'm down, I was able to do this for somebody and make them feel that good. That does something to your mindset and sort of rewires it a little to focus like, Hey, I have value to offer. And once you realize that you have value, that gives you more, more mojo, like more confidence to continue adding that value. And then all of a sudden, without you even realizing it, all of a sudden that value starts to trickle back to you Mm -hmm. and then it starts to like pour back to you, but it takes time. It does. It sounds like you just read my book. Um, <laughs> because I talk about that, you know, it, you, if you do these things and then it be, then it eventually becomes 50, 50. Yeah. Right. It, it's, it's more 90, 10 right now when but you it start could out take like years. that. It could take years it, for it that. It does take, it does, some, yes. it does sometimes. It the does. best, the best part of it. Yes. The most powerful, it actually takes years. And that's the part people are like, well, how do I get through those years? How yeah. am I supposed to get through those years? And the answer is like, any way you can, like just, <laughs> yeah. You know, in those years. Exactly. When I lost my job up there, when I started racesponsorships.net, when after I lost my job, I was trying to form, I mean, I had three, three other jobs, you know, between all that, trying to, you know, in between race sponsorships on that. And when you, well, well, between the time that I got laid off and actually, uh, finally said, all right, I'm done with this and quit my job to go do it full time. Because I mean, I was working little part-time jobs just to keep money. Where Where were some of those jobs? Um, so I worked as a security guard. You know, okay. for one, I drove a truck for another, you know, um, and then done little odd, odd jobs like teaching golf lessons on the side, you know, when I had exactly could. whatever you have to do. And what was what? your wife doing at this time? Like, was she working? Was she able to? <laughs> she worked at the same company I just got laid off at. She, and she did not get laid off. She did not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. What not. was the, what was the, the difference there? And how was you that? You know, I never thought about that. No, I'm to. mad. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm just <laughs> I know, I know. And what was that like the day that you both went into work and one of you came home with a job and one of you did it? <laughs> yeah. So we, but we drive into work. So yeah, the HR calls me in, you know, and, yeah. and, and just for the record, I've seen this coming a while. All okay. right. Because, and, and, and a little bit more truth behind that, I was not willing to play the politics that they were playing. Okay. That's really what it I've been out. there. I, yeah. Yes. I get it. So, so I seen it coming. The writing was on the wall. HR calls me in and I'm like, oh, you know, and I, and, and being a corporate investigator there, yeah. I worked with HR every day. Okay. They all knew me. And I used to joke with him. I said, if you all ever fire me, I promise you I'm going to lay down this floor and kick. I'm going to cry like a baby, you know, and I said, because it's coming one day, you yeah. know, because I, I seen it coming. 
and they were all nervous. And I was actually really going to lay down on the floor <laughs> because I was a jokester. I'm a prankster. But anyway, I, I handled the situation, you know, really well with them ladies. You know, I was like, yeah, don't worry about it. Let's go. Let's go party. Let's go do something, you know. But uh, but anyhow, what they did was because my wife worked there they knew we rode to work together. Their plan was is they were going to pay her. They were going to pay for her to, to work the rest of the day and just let her go home with me. And that's what happened. Oh. You know, so she got so, not only did she get to keep her job, but she got a paid day off. She got a paid half day. Yeah. Paid I, half day. I, now I'm even that more really mad was, about that it. Really, that's a pretty sweet deal for her. Probably, yeah. Way to, take, way to take one for the team there, Jeff. Yeah, I know. Right. So <laughs> I, I touched a lot of lives when I was there. Yeah. Um, I, if I'm, if I'm can be honest and, and lose some of my humility for a second, I touched a lot of lives and made a lot of friends and uh, a lot of friends would come down to where she worked at and ask how I was doing. And they was all, they, my wife would just start crying all the time because people were so, you know, uh, and still to this day, people still call me and ask me how things are going. Does your wife still work there? She still does. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's she pretty, that's pretty cool. Yeah, ironic. That's a way to not hold a grudge and just put, you know, business is business, and yeah. uh, and and carry on there, and let's just you know, separate separate yeah. the two. Yeah. So that's Absolutely. good. So at least your wife was working, so you had that income still coming in, even though it was yeah. probably half or whatever it was, you know, significantly cut. So right. you were able to sort of squeak by on, on that, or yeah. So let let me tell you, yeah. this will be valuable to your listeners. Yeah. And you all can take this for what you want because everybody hates the dreaded B word, the budget word. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we, I, I, as soon as that happened, I went and looked at my budget and said, okay, where can we make the cuts? So we cut out satellite TV. We cut out the expensive internet plans. We cut out this expensive cell phone plans, went to cheaper. You know, we started cutting expenses immediately. And I knew if I wanted to start this company, we was going to have to get rid of some debt. Yeah. So uh, I told my wife, I said, I want to do this. She's like, I don't care. You know, my wife's just happy go lucky anyway. But she's like, I don't care. Whatever you feel like we need to do if you think it'll work. So I sold all of our brand new cars. I took those and made a little money and went and bought junk cars that I could work Good on. For, yeah. You know? um, I bought a 71 F100 pickup truck and put, put $2,000 in it, restored the engine and transmission and the brakes, and I drive it every day. Nice. You know, and love it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's an old beater up or ruster. We call it sideswipe because it's been sideswiped so many times, <laughs> but it's actually nostalgic. Probably my to kids. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, so anyway, one of the things that we started to do was working on getting out of debt. I got the budget to where if I never made a dime, her job was supporting wow. us. Good. Okay. And we were still able to put into my 401k. Wow. That's impressive. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, when I'm talking about down to the scratch, we got down to the scratch. Uh, yeah. We eliminated everything that yeah. we For how do. long? What was that time period that you had to do that for? So that's why I was working all those other little mini jobs, right. you know, trying to pay off some of all that stuff and, uh, and things like that. So um, I wanted that security if I was going to do this. Not everybody is, um, can. I, I'm assuming, and not everybody's comfortable putting themselves in that situation and making those cutbacks. That's so that's a sacrifice. I think the people need to learn to make yeah. for themselves if they're going to start their own business like this. Um, and, and, and that was just from my experience, but uh, now we're, we're, we are debt free except for our mortgage. And uh, if both of us lost our jobs today, 
we've got enough savings put up for a year's worth of our bills. Yep. So we could live for a year, both of us. We could live here for a year and, and if we never made another dime. And I, that was a position that I felt like was very important to put myself into before I went down this road. Yeah, that's a super important lesson. And it's, again, I keep saying it, especially now when people are really strapped. And we felt the we felt the pinch. The business that you know is our real primary bread and butter stopped for months. And Dave has that real estate investment company, and real estate was shut down. Like that was mm-hmm. it. And we had just bought a building ourselves that we had rented out. And the people were just the tenants were just about to move in when New York state changed the law and said, you can't charge a security or they changed, Rent, you know, what yeah. they have to pay. Like, actually we had to pay the realtor fee for the tenants, you know? So instead of like that first month being an income, oh. we, had to, we had to pay the realtor <laughs> fee for the tenants because you're not allowed to charge the tenants that anymore. So there went the first month income from that property. And then the next yeah. month COVID hit, you know, and everything. And then Dave's company just that was it. You weren't allowed to, to work anymore. So the deal yeah. stopped. You couldn't get people in this office or that. So we felt that. And we had to like really focus on, on getting through while we're trying to grow. And we had our own plans for this live event we were going to have that got shut down. Um, and we had to move it to next year and turn around. To, so I get that. And so when I ask those questions, it's because I experienced a lot of that. And we found our way through. And we're actually going to come out of this stronger than we went into it, which is mm-hmm. pretty cool. But um, that's only because we get to meet and talk to people like you all for so long that, you know, the mindset is so important. Exactly. If, if, we, didn't get, yeah, if we didn't get to meet and talk to people like you all the time, we might've been like, oh no, you know, and just sitting on Netflix and gaining yeah. pounds during this and hoping for the best. Right. Yeah. That, well, that's the, that's the, you do, you hit the nail on the head right yeah. there. So I, I bet you a common denominator you find is people have made sacrifices to do what they were doing yeah. and they, they were motivated, right. To do that. Uh, but at the same time, the people that aren't right now, if you're chasing a dream and you're not uh, getting anywhere towards that dream, I tell people this all the time. You can't lose 50 pounds. If you're sitting on the couch, eating ice cream all day, <laughs> you have to get up and go fail and go do it. Just yeah. like uh, I've, I've said this a hundred times, you want to learn to play the guitar, you got to suck at it first. Yep. You want to go chase your dream, you've got to suck at it first. But if you stop trying and stop trying to suck uh, uh, or stop the willingness to suck at right. it, so you can get to where you want to be. You'll not ever plan. get there. Yeah, I'd rather face plan over and over. And man, I've had some spectacular ones and very public ones too. But here I am, right? And I get to talk to you. But yeah. that leads us to the next topic, this question that we love to ask, why we started, a big reason of why we started American Snippets was three years ago, we thought the divisiveness was out of hand in this country, but mm. it has not gotten any better, you know? No. But even in the three years when this first started, and really it was with the last election that, that it all started to the point that it impacted. I actually felt all the neg- negativity impacting me. And as a gold star wife, with my husband dying in Iraq and our family gave up so much for this country, it was impacting me on a deep level to see people giving up on this country and constantly trash talking and the negativity. And I knew that there were still so many great people in this country. And I knew that people had paid a very big cost uh, mm-hmm. for the rest of us to live here. So we started American Snippets in part to prove that there are still so many opportunities out there and so many people using those opportunities, no matter what challenges they face, no matter forgetting their excuses. 
and taking their challenges and turning them into lessons and, and all that and building their own version of the American dream, which we mm-hmm. were tired of hearing people say is dead or a myth or a fantasy. Right. So we've made it a point to, to say the American dream is not a cookie cutter version for everyone. It's not the little house with the white picket fence and two and a half kids and all that. You know, it looks different for everybody, which yeah. leads us to the question. We like to ask our guests, what does that American dream look like to you? What does it mean to you? Oh, wow. I didn't. You got deep on me there real quick. OK, so, <laughs> um, you know, for me, I'm going I'm going to answer that with a quote. Zig okay. Ziglar said this. Okay, yeah. he said, "If you help enough people in this world get what they want, you'll get what you want." So I think my American dream is just to make other people's lives better. Um, I I can't I can't put it any more simpler than that for you. I, I mean, I I to elaborate on that really would be just I really genuinely care if your life can be better. You know, and if I can do that or I can help your business move along with mine or you personally move along with my personal life and I can show you some of the ways that I've done it or you might learn from you for that matter. uh, I just want your life to be better. And that's my American dream. Awesome. Jeff, thank you so much for for doing this, for doing the training for a great American syndicate, which we will be spreading, you know, all about talking about much, much more here in a couple of weeks. But uh, we really appreciate you taking the time. To sit down and talk with us. I I hope people listening really took to heart the things you said and the lessons you offered, because especially now it's very easy to give up. It's very easy to just point to all the challenges we're facing and, and use that as a, an excuse to not move forward. But you pointing out that this is actually the perfect time to it move is. forward and, and offering the ways to do that is a really, for me, exciting plot twist, you know, to, to send back into the universe. Yeah. So I'd love to know what our listeners are doing with that advice. And if they want to follow up and connect with you directly, I can see the, you know, your logo behind you, of course, but you know, for our people who are listening and not, and not watching, let's tell everybody where they can connect with you and where they can find you and learn more about what to do with you. And sure. So, uh, armed forces racing, it's armedforcesracing.org. They can go there. They can go to our, our, our Facebook page at armed forces racing. They can Check us out there if they want to get involved with our nonprofit. If they're looking for uh, business help, sponsorship help, nonprofit help, you know, that's kind of seems to be my niche a little bit there is helping the nonprofits as well. But they can check us out at racesponsorships.net or on our Facebook at Race Sponsorships. Yep. Great. Again, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us. You're welcome. Thank you. All right, everyone. There you have it. That wraps up another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'd like to personally thank Jeff Lambert for being here as well and sharing his story. Don't forget, we do a full featured piece each and every week on all of our guests over at americansnippets.com. It's the featured article of the week. You can re-listen to the podcast there, watch the video interview, and read the article. We also include some links there that you can use to follow Jeff Lambert on social and visit his website. Uh, We appreciate you being here today. Don't forget to check out American Snippets Apparel, uh, thegreatamericansyndicate.com. And don't forget to show the world how exceptional you truly are. We'll see you next week. (laughs) 